and to look a little deeper and just look answer to of like what do I think this character's point of view is and what do I Amanda, what do I think they are in a good day or a bad day Amanda sorry you froze on us there could you repeat that answer? oh my god can we just pretend I said something brilliant oh god that was amazing no oh. <laughs> no what did I what did you that's miss? the sorry. secret to improv yeah From Atlanta, a city famous for all the celebrities who live here and their fancy cars that can't cover up how shitty their driving is. Zingling ding 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 ding. It's the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast, brought to you by Whole World Improv Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here are your hosts, artistic director Chip Powell, and a man who was amazed at his big tax return. He hasn't spent anything yet. He's just not used to positive numbers in his bank account. John Mihalik. <sighs> Me neither, John. Me neither. But I'm working to turn it around. But when? I think I was thinking that I was like, I'm, I'm on the brink of turning it around five years ago. And um, it hasn't happened. Hey, everybody. It's John. Thanks for tuning in this week. This is part two of our interview with Amanda Roundtree. We're going to pick up the interview with Chip asking about some of the books that Amanda recommends for her students. Chip also talks about some improv books, and that got me thinking. We also talked about books with Hal Peller in episodes one and two. I'm pretty sure we talked about some books in season one. I could have gone back and checked, but I'm kind of a perfectionist. And I'd end up re-editing an audio issue that absolutely nobody hears but me. So I went back and made a list of all the books we've talked about this season, including the ones in this episode. We'll post it on our blog at wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, that's theater with an R-E because we're fancy. We'd also love to hear about books about improv you like. Leave us some titles in the comments and we'll check them out. And now, on with the show. So I want to know just from a teaching perspective, what are some of the tools that you recommend for your students? I mean, I know that I recommend the UCB manual and for really beginner beginners like truth and comedy. And one of my favorite ones to teach, even though we don't really do a lot of long form, I love to teach a long form and I have some tools there as well. Like what are your kind of uh, go-tos? One of my favorite books on improv is actually written by a violinist, a musician who's not a theater person, but he's an improviser, a, an, an, a musical improviser. I love it. Um, oh, yeah. The, I actually reread it because I've been doing an improv book club with some of my community in the over the pandemic over Zoom. It's called Free Play. Free Play. It's a red cover book. And it's by Stephen Nekmanovich. He's written a new book in the past year. I feel like Free Play is very dated now his language that he uses. It's in the 90s. So I'm looking forward to reading his new book, which is The Art of Is. I haven't read it yet. The way he talks about creativity and improv, and he talks about improv as a way to, to gain creativity, and it applies to more than just music. It's kind of improv philosophy, so it's not necessarily an instruction manual. I've not read a lot of instruction manuals on improv. I've read some process, and I pronounce it process because Michael Gelman would pronounce it as process. Um, <laughs> process. Uh, there's a book by Gelman and Scruggs that I think is very good. 
But as far as what I tell my students that are coming in to improv, especially if they're new to improv, is to see shows, see a bunch of shows, and to take more classes and to think of improv as a buffet. Um, although now, pre post pandemic, maybe that's an outdated metaphor. I shouldn't use buffet anymore. Uh, but I'll continue. It's a I'll continue. <laughs> yeah, DoorDash. Um, but like to think of uh, to think of learning improv as a buffet where you want to learn from different teachers and you want to learn from different schools because everybody has their own method and everybody has their own style. And you, as a student, should develop your own style. And if you're only learning from one teacher or you're, especially if you're only learning from one training center, you need to branch out. And right now is a great time to branch out because so many improvising teachers are doing online classes. So you can take classes from anywhere and you can do online jams with people from all over the world. So I think it's kind of an exciting time to be in improv as heartbreaking and difficult (laughs) as this last year and a half has been for theater and for all arts and especially for improv it has also been very exciting and that there's a lot of adaptability happening and that's going to stick with us that's going to we're going to continue to yes and that yeah early on when we first started we were doing six-month programs which you know that was back in the 90s Ryan. oh wow always in six months and so uh you know that was a long time to be with yeah. people, but I would always say, you know, before you come in, especially since you're just starting out, there's this little thing called 10 basic rules of improv. You should probably go and really learn those and then, you know, come back in each week. And uh, this one guy got up and I'll never forget, this is where I'm leaving my question to is like, <laughs> when have you been challenged as an instructor? Because I just remember he got off stage and I said, hey, man, you're negating and you're questioning. You're not looking at your 10 rules of improv. And he said, well, what's number six? And I said, uh, number six is know your location. <laughs> and like, maybe you should like not challenge me today because I'm not, <laughs> I, will oh, no. I will come for you. <laughs> But I just thought it was so funny that instead of him like accepting the note, he was like, oh, really? What, what do you know? You know, it was like oh, one of those goodness. moments in your instructional life that I was like, okay, all right. I'm going to get challenged from time to time by people. And mm-hmm. so I know that that's as an instructor myself, one of the things that you just kind of always lean into it, you know, and put the onus back on them. But do you ever have any moments like that? Or you have you had a specific moment? Yeah, I think some of the most challenging times is when I feel like a student isn't getting something and I haven't, you know, those times where I feel like, okay, let me approach it this way. Let me see if they learn this way, you know, and just yeah. and give it a different go. That's challenging and challenging is great because that's when you learn. I feel like as a teacher, if the teacher is challenged, it's like, okay, this is when I'm going to learn a different way of teaching this thing. For me, I always feel like the onus is on me as the teacher. It's my responsibility to get them to get it. And if they're not getting it, then I need to do something differently. That's just how I go into things. But there is a balance that needs to be set if you have, and this is very, very rare, but if you have a student who seems to just not be getting a certain concept that you need to also be delicate and balance that out with taking care of the rest of the class because you don't want to stay in one place for one person because the rest of the class is getting bored and they are getting frustrated. 
which is why it's so important to hopefully just get in there and get a different, you know, a different way to teach it so that everybody's on board and they get it and they move on. So I've had situations where I've had a student where it's like, oh, they just seem to not be getting this for whatever reason. They're not hearing the note or this exercise didn't work and this other game didn't work and let me play this direction. But then when it does click, it's oh, it's so rewarding. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, and I've seen too, that if I'm not, if it's a situation where, I mean, there's a lot of different ways of teaching. I tend as a teacher to not be like, Hey, you're doing this wrong. I tend to not do that. Cause I feel like that can, I mean, maybe that's good for some students. I think a lot of students that can make them just self-conscious and then it's, they're not able to learn after that. So I tend to just like apologize and be like, I'm sorry maybe I didn't say it. Let me be clear with my direction because as humans, we need to hear things more than once to learn them. And sometimes, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on. And so people have things happening. And so just because you said it twice, doesn't mean they heard it once even. (laughs) So I try to keep that in mind um, as well. Yeah. I think you nailed it on the head when you were saying earlier, it's like, I encourage my students to go go to other improvs and see what they're doing. Go take a class from another instructor or take a different instructor here because we're all pretty much saying the same thing. It's just, you're going to hear it one way, somehow, one time, and it's just going to click for you. I, and I always tell my main cast performers, because sometimes we'll take them to Chicago or we take them to New York and we go and attend workshops and do shows and things like that. I had a couple of folks with me at one time on a trip they were just crap talking the instructor after we had this really great class at Second City. And I went up to, I was like, guys, come on. Like, if you feel like you've already learned everything, then you need to check out because this is going to be a continual learning process for you because you're not going to be perfect in everything. And somebody's wisdom in the way that we paid for programming for you you should be saying thank you, not criticizing what somebody else is doing because that's not good for you because then it's going to get you jaded and think that you already know everything and you've got a long way to go. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think we can always, we can always keep learning. And I think that self-satisfaction that soothes our ego, um, you know, if we like say, well, that group sucked or that, teacher was terrible, that egotistical self-satisfaction feels great for a short amount of time. And then you're just, it's like the dopamine, like I need more of it. And then it it does, it kind of spirals into just being jaded and always kind of having that be your comfort cloak Mm -hmm. uh, of just protecting your, protecting yourself (laughs) with that weird um, jadedness. Yeah. So it's important to, I mean, I think it's great to know what you like and to know what you don't like. I tell, especially like my beginning improvisers too, I'm like, go and see shows when you're just learning improv and see a lot of shows. And whether you feel like it's a good show or it was a bad show, both of them are really valuable because I want you to be able to articulate what you thought was good or what you thought was bad. Because when they're learning, that can help. Do you live in Atlanta? Are you visiting Atlanta soon? Either way, a night at Whole World Improv Theater is one of the best shows in town. We're open for shows on Friday and Saturday at 8 p.m. And now there's a second show on Saturday at 10 p.m. That's three chances to make your week funnier and we guarantee it costs less than your therapist. It's 200 bucks a pop and the first available appointment I could get for a therapist was about two months. 
don't know, it's a racket. I think we should just all watch cat videos because they help every single time. Yes, we're still totally safe and socially distant. We follow CDC guidelines, but like, what does the CDC know? They live here in Atlanta, which is allergy central, and it just gets worse and worse. What's the matter, my people? No love for the hometown? See if we offer you tissues for those watery eyes ever again. Major support for Whole World Improv Theater is provided by the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs, where beautiful people bring you the arts while surrounded by singing birds and fairies. They must have us mistaken for something like Shakespeare in the Park. Or the vagina monologues. Vagina. Cool. <laughs> I want to ask both of you one thing. Chip is a teacher. He's been my teacher. I've actually taken a class from you, Amanda. So I want to ask both of you, what's something a student has taught you? Oh, gosh. Mm. Um, well, the big ones are just how to teach things differently. So if I am doing one thing and it's not working, then I just in the moment will try to come up with something else based on the need of the student. And then I'll just do it. And that is helpful specific example um, that's not related to that, actually, but a specific example of a, a student teaching me something was when I first switched over to online, like I had to switch, I switched over, like I had classes that were ongoing in March of 2020. So I immediately was like, okay, I'm getting a Zoom account and I'm switching everything online. So it was like, this is a great metaphor for improv scenes. <laughs> the, the metaphor we usually use is jumping off of a cliff and building the plane on the way down. And I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm just buying a Zoom account and making this lesson plan as I go. There was one class I was teaching that was a kid's class. Uh, so it was youth, I think ages like 10 to 12, something. And I was very reticent. I was very hesitant at what I was offering. I was very like timid. And I was very like what the, my lesson plan was like very safe for like what I thought they could do over Zoom. Uh, and at the end of the class for my kids' classes, I always, if they're well-behaved, I'm like, what game do you want to play? And it's whatever their favorite game is, we'll play it. And every single week, these kids were requesting things that I had deliberately left out of the lesson plan because I thought that they would be impossible to play over Zoom. <laughs> and, uh, and every single week, it was one of those games that I had avoided. I learned that like, you know what, I just need to jump in. And it's and the things that I think, if I think something won't necessarily work, that doesn't mean I shouldn't try it at least because there were things that did work. I mean, they were a little wonky and they were, you know, but it was fine. Like they were still fun. The kids loved them. And I'm like, oh, I actually can do this and I can change this and I can make this work. And so, yeah, that was a big lesson. <laughs> yeah. I think my biggest was I had a guy and he would, through the process of graduating from 201 and 301, would get in and really nail it in the show, but was having the most difficult time in class because he was overthinking and stopping the scenes and questioning and, and constantly. And one day in class, I just said, you got to stop because you don't do that during the show. So why do you keep doing it to your scene partner in class? And he went, oh, I have a condition and I have electrodes in my brain that help me with my thought process. And I went, oh my God, like, I guess it's just, you never think Mm -hmm. that there could be 
something else and you're thinking oh well this is just a regular person and i found in the whole class that night found out that this is why like you're saying like sometimes you got to move on for the sake of the class but it was just i also felt like in that one moment we got to stop this and just analyze it for a moment and, and take it he, in you know one, he said you know yeah. once i'm in a show and i'm going there's no time for that it's when mm. I'm in class that I have a different mindset. And I said, okay, all right. Well, so I, I learned something yeah. that, you know, I, I've got to make sure, and I still work with this guy. And that's the mm-hmm. good thing about it is because I know now how to write or how to create scenarios for him that work right. better. For him. And just making, making a class or a rehearsal feel more like a show is yeah, yeah. all that's needed. Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. It's so great when people are open um, with things. A lot of times what I'll do at the beginning of class, sometimes one of my, I do lots of little different introduction games, but one of the introduction games I'll do is I'll, you know, when you're in, when we're going around introducing ourselves, I'll ask people to share one thing that they think makes them weird. Um, and a lot of times, especially with kids and teens, especially, um, they, they will definitely share something that is one of their like handle with care things that is helpful for everybody to know. And not everybody necessarily feels like they have a handle with care things, but we all kind of (laughs) do. But once you start hearing, um, but it's in a fun, you know, like what's something weird about me that that's really great. I mean, I've learned all kinds of things about people I've learned oh, this is, this certain thing will give me a seizure. And this is what my seizures look like. You know, like I blank out, I'm not moving around, but I just, I blank out. Cause I had a student in one of my classes, she was a, a child. And it was one of the things that if you're a parent, you should write and tell us, tell the teacher because yeah. she would be in, <laughs> she would be in scenes and she would just freeze up. And I would be like, respond, respond to your partner. And I'm like, why isn't she talking to me? And finally my, I had to talk to one of my parents that, you know, they said, I was like, okay, this is because I don't want to be telling your child respond (laughs) if she's having, do you know what I mean? And so then we were able to talk about it and then all the kids knew. So we knew how to, how to deal with, you know, we knew how to treat her and what to do so that she would be fine and that we would hold the space for her. But yeah, it's always, it's so important to know, you know, people, we're always closed doors, right? We need to um, let each other in and, and that just helps everybody communicate better. I feel like. I think um, as improvisers, all three of us have been in a scene where we're just staring at our scene part and just respond. Respond, yeah. respond. We are really running short on time, Amanda, but I want to ask you if you would demonstrate something for us. Yeah. Okay. You know, we've talked about Shakespeare a few times and how great you are in Shakespeare. Oh, no. I haven't done Shakespeare in over a year. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, this is your option here. Um, So you said you like to have different breakfasts every day because you like variety. I wonder, in the style and tenor of Shakespeare, could you describe your last three breakfasts for us? Ah, yay. Thrice did I eat in the past three days. Verily, lo, did I blend with muted ambition the mango fruit of the East and and a chilled pear from the carriages of Costco with kale, for my skin be so white and pale. And I did drink it. And before that, hence, did I have but 
bread with waffled images and uh, <laughs> butter from the cow melted upon and that which did look like meat but twas not for I do like to have the sausage patties but not from the murderous kind. And Thank before okay. that was just mayhaps a bit of oats shaped in much rotundish uh, fashion. Great. Thank you so much. Well, um, for, uh, for our final bit uh, off, uh, you know, I teach another one of my favorite things to teach is character. I know you got not at all human coming up. Tell our folks out there a little bit about it and where they can find you. Oh, yeah. I have a whole bunch of pay what you can online workshops coming up. Not at all human is my next one. It's coming up in a week. It's almost sold out. It is specifically for improvisers, but it's how to authentically and engagingly play non-human characters. So whether you're been endowed as Frankenstein's monster or as an avocado, we will address how to still play those characters in a committed way and still have really great scenes with them. So it's going to be fun. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, Miss Amanda. Thank you for having me. We really appreciate you stopping in. Hey, join us next time for episode three, where we will continue to dive into our improv education. And take good Perfect. notes, because there will be a final exam. Oh, Until no, then, scary. I'm Jamie Hollick. And I'm Chip Powell. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast, a podcast recommended by that fifth dentist who didn't like Trident. The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and paramount leader of Improv Party is Chip Powell. Other producer and writer is John Mihalik. Hey, John, I bet in elementary school they, they called you John Mihaimlik. No? But that's what it was. One of my last names used to be Hershey, and so I got called Hershey Squirts all through elementary school. And I thought it was just because like I was little, like a little squirt. And then finally in high school, someone said, no, they've been calling you that because it means diarrhea. Original music by The Gentle Readers. And our social media maven is Bethany Rowe. Please help support by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. We're the kind of friends who will walk your dog when you're out of town. And you'll love having us. Whole World Improv Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible. Remember, kids, when a dollar doesn't go to Washington, an accountant gets their wings. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Arlo. And I guess I'll try to plug me. I've got some cool things in the pipeline, I think, relatively, compared to the last year, quite significant. So I'll let you guys know. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Oh, Until no, then, scary. I'm Jamie Halleck. And I'm Chip Powell. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much, Amanda. Yay! Awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Not a problem. Boop, boop. <laughs>